This episode of Take It to the House is brought to you by Mesa Trophies and Plaques. Now, take it to the house. I'm Vic Herbin, and I'm taking it to the house. I'm Tim Hoover, and I'm with him. I'm with Vic. We're going to take it to the house. We welcome y'all today to our first show, to our very first show. So thank you for seeing those promos, watching our promos, and some of the feedback that we have. We have a list of things that we want to get to, but... I don't want to steal the thunder. Vic, what's on your mind, sir? Well, I can tell you one thing. It's simply amazing how much occurs in one week. What was relevant last week in the sports world can be superseded within a couple of days. And so last week this time and all through the weekend, I can tell you I was like a Lamborghini at a stoplight at level 9 RPM. I'm ready to go. So before I get there, I have to ask you, what do you take to the house? Well, I'm a bit saddened by the fact that we lost another legend, uh, that being uh, Bob Gibson. And for those who don't know Bob Gibson, he was a pitcher uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he passed recently. And the city of St. Louis and the the Cardinals in particular have lost Lou Brock just about a month ago. So I'm heavy hearted uh, with the loss of a black legend who was an MVP uh, and, and could pitch his behind off. So uh, I, I have to say that first and just uh, rest in peace. And so he took it to the house and he took it to the heavenly house. Rest in peace, Bob Gibson. I think it's important. I, I, I know that while baseball may not be the American pastime that it used to be, we could probably pass that torch on to NFL, the National Football League. But I can tell you from my experience growing up, everyone had a baseball. Everyone had a baseball bat in the mitt. And that was the thing we did on the weekends. You go out, you play catch, you you hit the ball, and you play ball. You you emulate whatever your heroes. And just to make it about me for one second, I wanted to be a professional baseball player when I grew up. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And my childhood idol was Ricky Henderson. I I wanted to steal his, I wanted to uh, break the, uh, the record for stolen bases. Just like he broke the record for stolen bases that Lou brought. So, you know, it's not a six degrees of separation, maybe more like 25 degrees or 30 degrees. However, 
this is a heavy heart for me as well when I look at the, the role baseball played in American history, but most importantly, black American history. Uh, that, had, that was the almost the equal playing field for us. Uh, we know about Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, but when we look at Lou Brock and we look at Bob Gibson, what a, what a tremendous team that the St. Louis Cardinals had. And when we start looking at 1959, Bob Gibson joined the team. 1961, Lou Brock, the impact they had to that franchise. And, and again, we're talking yes. about the 50s and 60s. So, I mean, wow. And, and, to be, and to be stars. I mean, stars in that time. I mean, significant impact to the baseball league as a whole. So, uh, uh, my brother, who, uh, Jeff, um, was the baseball player in our family. And I wanted, like you, wanted to be like my brother, but be like those guys as well. So uh, heavy hearted as well, but significant impact to the league as, as a whole, uh, as black men, which you, which, you, which you pointed out. And so uh, to the hearts and, and minds and prayers to the, to the family uh, that lost those significant brothers. Um, and you mentioned black, 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 black. I want this show to be about black lives matter. I want us to talk about those things. And I don't want us to forget about those things. Black lives do matter. And so I would like us and our fan base to use this platform to not forget what's going on in the world. Protests that are going on and in your city. I like to know fans, what are you doing? What are you doing? So if I could, Vic, if you don't mind, I want to say her name. I want to say their name, Brianna Taylor. For some of y'all don't know her, don't know her, but I'm gonna tell you, she's like your sister, Tasha Noilani, my sister, Pat Herberdine. She's like, she's a mother, like my, my mother, Billy, your mother, Dean. She's a friend, a cousin, Tamisa, Jania. She's family. So you may not know her, but know that she is still significant to us. And that it happened to another sister, another mother, and it's going on around the world. She's one person. Others, the Emmett Hills, the George Floyds, the Aubrey, uh, uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, the Sandra Blands, amen. And then we got Rayshard Brooks just recently in, in the ATL. Guys, I don't want us to forget why the NBA wanted to protest. Why we're, uh, the WNBA is talking about say her name it doesn't have to affect you directly doesn't have to affect you as in your family trust and believe it's happening to us as a race so Vic I wonder what your thoughts and I, I know you had some some takes on Black Lives Matters and I just wanted to share if you would uh, with me with the with our fan base on your thoughts on the Black Lives Matter no, thanks for asking I think it's very important to state off the bat. I was, I was watching some old clips the other day and I came across Mike Tyson and he was getting interviewed and he told the reporter, now this is when he was in his raw, raw state. I mean, meat eating raw, rare, eating flesh, all kind of this carnivorous, this mean and scary guy. And he's getting yes. interviewed and the guy, he comes home with a bad attitude. And the guy's like, well, Mike, what's going on? He said, look, if you don't like it, turn your station. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> if you don't like it, turn your station. I say that to say not everyone's going to like what we talk about on this show. And this show may not be right. for everybody. 
But I think it's very important to start talking about Black Lives Matter. This is something that we do uh, hold very true to our heart, very true to our mind and our body and our soul. And it's important that we do address that. So to our fans that are there and our fans who are stay, hey, this is for you. If you don't like what we're talking about, turn your station. You know, I'm reminded what Laura Ingraham said a couple years ago to LeBron James. Shut up and dribble. Wow, really? We just talked about Bob Gibson and we just talked about Lou Brock. That there were times when they may be setting franchise records for the St. Louis Cardinals. That same night, they have to travel to somewhere in the South, Jim Crow South, we're all talking about the 50s and 60s, where they couldn't even go to the same restaurants with their teammates. They couldn't even go to the same uh, hotel. They couldn't even enter the same door. So when we start talking about Black Lives Matter, it may sound like some cliche in 2020, but this is something that has occurred for hundreds of years. And so I think it's very important as America starts to embrace that it's not a political movement, it's a social movement. Yes, Black Lives Matter. And I spoke about it last week. It's very important that people make the issue the issue. It's not about uh, athletes kneeling because of the flag and kneeling to protest the American soldiers. Again, when I was American soldiers. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because you told our audience, you're you're a veteran. You know about patriotism. You know about service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 years, United States Army, Lieutenant Colonel retired. Three trips to the combat zone of Iraq, 2003 to 2004, 2005, 2006, 2009, 2010. I left my kids. I left my wife. That sacrifice I did for my country. We take an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, as a soldier, as an airman, as a Marine, as a Coast Guard, as a sailor, not I support and defend the president, not I support and defend a political party, not I support and defend the Congress. It's the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That Constitution bears certain rights, right to free speech, right to protest, Fourth Amendment right for uh, what search and seizures, 14th Amendment right talks about being equally treated underneath the law. So when we start talking about, oh, don't kneel because it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's disrespectful to the soldier, I am the soldier. My job was to do was to perform my duty in combat to defend these rights. So does kneeling upset me? No, that honors me because I know that was what I had to fight for, for your rights to express yourself. Now, there's only one percent American people even uh, qualified to even serve in the United States military. So there's very select people that can speak on behalf of the, of the soldier, sailor, airman, marine, the Coast Guard. So I will take that privilege at this time to say, hey, look, if you want to kneel, if you want to stand, Whatever you want to do to express your amendment rights that I fought for, that some of my friends died for, then so be it. Do that. But now if you're asking me as a veteran, will I kneel? No, I will always stand because that's me as a soldier, as a past soldier. So when we start talking about Black Lives Matter, it's important to understand that not everyone has those same rights. I want to feel comfortable driving my car that may look very nice in a very nice area because I probably live there. But even if I don't live there, does it cause somebody to call the police on me because they don't think I belong? And Illegal the unfortunate thing, happen, I get arrested or I get shot? Black lives matter. I want to feel safe like anyone else feels safe. So when we start talking about remember their names, what is the purpose for this protest? Some people are split because they do not understand. 
it's not that we're saying that not all lives matter. We're saying let's make sure we remember that everyone has the same entitlements underneath this constitution that that all, that all the time is not happening. I love that. I love that. And you're mentioning kneeling and we're going to go into the NFL here in, in, a, in a few minutes. And I appreciate that. But like you, I'm a veteran and I, I will stand too, but I will kneel. But I have the right to do either or. And we have fought and people have sacrificed so that we can do either or. But it's not disrespectful to the flag by no means. No, kneeling is for the cause. Colin Kaepernick, tell me, what are your thoughts on him? He hasn't got a job yet. I don't know if his window of opportunity has passed by, but as it transitions to the NFL, but what are your thoughts about him not having a job at this particular point in time? Think it's unfortunate if you watch that game last week that <laughs> that which we will get to later cam newton had to have he could not play in the game on monday night so you had brian hoyer who couldn't even finish the whole game then you had stidham that couldn't finish and perform you're telling me colin cabinet would not have been a great number two or three you're telling me the last yeah. couple thursday night games that had raggedy games that colin cabinet yes. could not play in one of those games so it's unfortunate that even Roger Goodell came out and spoke on his behalf earlier this summer saying we we apologize. Okay, apologize now, show us some action. Give the guy an opportunity. If he doesn't make the team, got it. But he's a lot better than at least 30 other players in this doggone league, and I think it's unfair. Yeah. Unfair. I agree 100% with you. And he should be on the squad right now. Uh, please Google Colin Kaepernick. For those of you who don't know what's going on and what we're talking about, please Google Colin Kaepernick, he was one of the first to kneel. One of the first, and we're talking about four or five years ago when he started kneeling. And, 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 and the league wanted to decide now, even this year, to say, we apologize, we handled it wrong. No, too late, partner, too late. Miss me with that. However, you can, get, you can make up for it, though. You can make up for it. And so I wanted to see what the NFL will do uh, on, on his behalf. Honor him. Honor him. And and And... My NFL brother, honor him. Black lives do matter. We're talking about the NFL. Uh, and one of our things we wanted to talk about was just COVID. And, and many people, I don't know if our fan base had heard of these soft tissue injuries. You talked about uh, uh, Cam Newton coming down with, the, uh, with COVID. And so it impacted his team and his ability to, to, to perform. So COVID, COVID has 
this pandemic has affected one of the things we love, which is the NFL. The NFL couldn't have a preseason. They couldn't have a training camp. Matter of fact, facilities couldn't even open. So what happened was these 200 pound, 300 pound men couldn't get the work and conditioning that they normally could have. So when you hear about these soft tissue injuries, we're talking about injuries on a, 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 on a grand scale that you would not have normally. We're talking about, yeah, you're going to have the bone crushing fractures of a tibia, ankle uh, fracture. But when they're talking about soft tissue, they're talking about ligamentous injuries, strains and sprains of muscle tissue. And so we're talking about ACLs. We're talking about PCLs. We're talking about Achilles tendon. We're talking about some of these things would end a career years ago. So I have to ask the question to the NFL, to, to you, is are we concerned about player safety? I'm a fan. Yeah, I wanted sports. But at what sacrifice? Players, at what sacrifice? Because, yeah, you're young now, but at 40, 50 years old, you start rolling out the bed. You have to think about it. You can't just hop up like you used to. So some of these injuries now lead to uh, orthotic changes or arthritic changes, excuse me, of the joint. Later on in life, you hear Jerome Bettis talking about he, he has a tough time getting out of bed nowadays. So soft tissue injuries are are happening now, even more so because of the pandemic, but because the NFL was so caught up in trying to get the game going so they could get paid, get the games going so the players can get paid. But they haven't thought about the players to me in depth enough. And lastly, they haven't thought about me as a fan. Because when I have a replacement out there playing ball, you're not giving me the best product. So I'm paying high dollar. When I go to the store, I want the best product that my money can buy. My money, I'm getting second string, third string. We're going down to the 53-man roster so you can put something on TV so corporate can be happy, the NFL can be happy, a billion-dollar industry. But I'm a fan who's a little bit smarter than the average bear, and you're giving me BS right now. You're giving me BS. So my take is COVID, yeah, it's wrecked havoc. And I know jobs have to be had. The NFL is a job. It's an industry. It's a money-making industry. But I would rather have the best quality, and this is not the best quality right now. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> I, I started thinking about the last few, the last four weeks of Thursdays had been probably the most horrible football that I've been able to watch. In fact, I'm normally able, I'm such a diehard fan, I normally just watch the full 60 minutes, regardless of the team's playing. The last couple weeks, I couldn't do it. I don't know if it's because they didn't have the preseason. I don't know because they're rushing the product out there. But right now, it's a hot mess. And I'm not one to sing. I'm not, my, my dad can sing, my wife can sing, my son and daughter can sing. I can't sing. But what I can do, I can hum a tune. And the tune I got for the NFL is Brown Show. It's a circus. Show me the dancing bears. Show me the trapeze artists. Because what we gotta have right now is a hot mess. I mean, you got COVID-19 run through the NFL like prune juice. So when I start thinking about what are you doing, what kind of product are you placing on the screen for me to watch? I'm disappointed. And, and I start questioning the leadership. 
the leadership. Yes. Again, this is a leadership issue now. Because what was it when you sat in the corporate boardroom this summer and said, okay, March, COVID hit. You know what? Hey, boss. Hey, Roger. Our league doesn't start to September. So we've got some time to really think about what we're going to do. Let's watch what the basketball see. Let's, let's see what NBA does. Let's see what MLB does. But we got a great product that the fans really going to want to watch. So we can wait to September. In the worst case, we'll just cancel preseason. But guess what? They'll all be there. Add some COVID protocols, and we'll have football. No, this is not what I call football. It's a straight-up circus. Right. And I call it organizational arrogance. And it's to the point where, and let me define organizational arrogance, the organizational environment whereby leaders behave with a sense of superiority and organizational members behave and act out that sense of superiority that leads toward one of three things, overconfidence in organizational capabilities, the dismissiveness towards internal and external matters. And third is disparagement or belittlement of people. In this situation, NFL is looking at overconfidence in the organizational capabilities. Oh, we can do it. We got these extreme facilities and we can do this. And dismissiveness toward internal, external matters. You, you spoke about it. What, where is the player's safety and concern taken into account? What about the player's family's safety? Because Yes. You can only create some bubble in my training facility. You can only create some bubble on the football field. Then I go home. My wife yes. has a job. They have, we have children. So you don't know what they did all day. And so now I'm held accountable for some arbitrary reason. This is crazy. You have 53-man roster, 32 teams. I'm not even counting the staff. That's about 1,700 people. And you're telling me there's some arbitrary protocol that's going to cause you to create some bubble when everybody can still scatter across different states. They have different rules, different mandates on masks, no mask. It's just crazy. And, and it's unfortunate. It's a yeah, I call it unstable. And I said it earlier. Uh, I'm a big fantasy football fan. And they asked me to sign up play. And I said, no, I feel like it's unstable. Unstable. Well, it's not the NBA. In the NBA, you could almost see a bubble where nobody in, nobody out kind of a thing, and you create a sterile environment. And we say kudos. We'll say kudos again, Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA. Kudos to all those disciplined players who have made sacrifices, who have been in the bubble for over four months. Kudos to all you, to the WNBA as well. But the NFL, they don't have that environment. They don't have it. You said how many? 1,700? Your math... I, I didn't, say, I didn't know math was required. I'm sorry. But it's probably pretty good. And that's a whole lot of people that you have to account for. And so at, right now, I don't see the season, the NFL season being completed. Not right now. Not only that, if it is completed, there's going to be major chunks of the season left out. So really, really what product are we getting now? Because... When you have one team, you're affecting two teams, their opponent, who can possibly affect two other teams. So it starts multiplying. There's not enough bye weeks left in the season, or you're going to extend the season. And you said, how long did we know about COVID? How long did we shut everything down? You had about six months, if I, if I know correctly. And then you want to wait till September. Poor leadership. But how about saying, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this at the sacrifice of COVID, which is killing people. 
not at the risk of killing, killing, killing the players or player safety. I don't know when do you start or stop player safety, but it's not just CTEs. It's just not on the field. This is off the field. So, uh, you to I, I, you. I like NFL. that. Yeah. And to your point, how greedy could the NFL be? So this, but look at the inconsistent messaging. Last week you had the Titans that uh, had 18 people uh, become positive. So they, they tried to reschedule. They wound up pushing the game until uh, week seven. But two days later, Cam Newton gets positive. So they really wanted to see the Chiefs versus the Patriots so bad. They didn't reschedule the game. They forced the game into a Monday. But now let's yes. see what really happened with that decision and inconsistent messaging. Cam Newton, the star player, gets it. Our bad. Hey, let's reschedule this game for Monday because we still want to see the Patriots and the Chiefs take it up. So do you know how they got the players out there on Monday? They flew out on Monday morning. Now, this is how inconsistent the message and, it, again, the greediness. Apparently, the Patriots had two planes, a COVID close contact plane, meaning those players who may came in close contact with Cam Newton, and then they had a no COVID plane, two planes to go that flew out on that Monday morning. So you already had a feeling that something could happen. So right. you rush still to do this when you know that, oh, yeah, well, we tested every day. Our protocol said that doesn't mean anything. There's an incubation period. So right. you telling me that you knew when the Titans became positive that you're going to reschedule weeks out. But Cam Newton becomes positive on a Thursday or Friday that you think all that week that y'all have practice that it'd be safe for y'all to play another team on Monday? Not only another right. team, right. how about the Super Bowl MVP? The Super Bowl champs that you play. Wow. And so another star player, Stephon Gilmore, is tested positive. And oh, by the way, I hope he was on the COVID close contact plane because lo and behold, he's on the regular plane and now the whole Patriots team is now infected. So now you on play 60 minutes. 60 minutes again. He played every play of that game. And at the end, they even showed clips of him uh, giving uh, props to uh, Mahomes, all in his face. Yep. So what did we just do that NFL? Again, I, I question the leadership, and this is a lesson in moral courage. We've all been in boardrooms. We've all been in a, in a place of, of work where the boss is saying all these great ideals or even not so great ideals, and everybody's around the table. Yes, sir. Sounds great. That's good. This, this is a lesson in moral courage. Have the sense to say, hey, sir, I understand what we want to do, but how can we do this the best way that, yes, we can still make money, Two, we still take care of our people. And three, make sure we deliver a good product for the fans. I, I would have been okay if they said, we'll do a truncated season. Baseball did it, did just fine. Hey, we're going to do 17 weeks of football this year. Let's do 12 weeks. And we'll do four weeks at a time. Then we'll take a, a league-wide buy so that if there's anybody got COVID, they'll take two weeks to quarantine. Then we'll do another four weeks and do another two weeks of another buy and then do four weeks. And stretch that out to January, February. You don't have to be, oh, we're going to give them 17 weeks to come to trying to make the best, best bang for a buck. That is silly and it's poor leadership. Great take. And pick up your phone because the NFL is calling you right now. <laughs> That's a great take. It, it'll Even as it is, we're going we're to move on. We're going to move on. Um,
What? Who's your NFL MVP, though? You got one in mind? Real quick before we go on transition. I, I may. My challenge with the MVP process is why did they decide so early? The league is so long. Why at the week one they're saying <laughs> let's crown Russell Wilson? Oh, can Lamar Jackson do it again? Well, Lamar Jackson had an off game. Yeah. Does that mean he can't have another great game? Does that mean that uh, Russell Wilson will not uh, have a bad couple weeks? So I- I'm always impressed and always intrigued and question why did they decide why that discussion so early on in the season? Can we at least get to week eight? Week eight gives you enough sample size of wow, this team is good. This player's good. This player's good on a good team. This player's good on a bad team. So I, I, I always question why they even try to have that discussion so early on in the season. Yeah. If I had a vote, uh, it's only been four weeks. Normally, right about the four-week point, we have our first game. That would have been preseason, four weeks of preseason. And the game, as a glutton for punishment as a fan that I am, I want sports, but – this has not been good quality because the offense right now is ahead of the defense by many, by look at all the high scores that are being out there. So uh, I believe the MVP is a, uh, is a popularity uh, contest. And so the media will talk the public into who's best if they like you. It's not always the, 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 the best player. And so then we have to define what is the MVP? What is the most valuable player? So I have no say, I have no say on, on the MVP too early as you say, but usually it'll, the person, the one will, the cream, as they say, will rise above the, 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 will rise to the top. And so I'm anticipating with a completed season that that person will manifest itself. The MVP will rise and will, it'll, he'll show himself. But uh, Russell Wilson, no, he is showing some good stuff though, but Dak is showing just as equally, um, uh, his numbers are just as equal or if not better. So, uh, but you gotta win. Still got to win. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Russell Wilson is looking great. So is Aaron Rodgers. I am surprised that in the years that Russell Wilson has been in the league that he's never received a vote. And that, that really surprised me. Even the year they went to the Super Bowl, they've gone to the Super Bowl twice. He's won the NFC Championship game twice. Yeah. So I am surprised that he never even got one vote. So that, that really intrigued me. But based off of, again, I know it's so early to say, uh, I would like to see him continue the streak that he's on. I think if he continues putting up the numbers on, he could put himself in discussion as well as Aaron Rodgers. They were, you know, last year they looked like they were shooting him out to pasture uh, with the new coach and they were not getting along, so to speak. And now he is killing it. You would thought, is it, you know, is he 22 years old, just coming out of Cal? Or has he been in the league for 15, 16 years? So I think it's impressive. Whole new attitude with Aaron Rodgers. Whole new attitude. One of my favorite ball players too. Just his skill and his command of the huddle, command of the field too, and the line of scrimmage. So uh, let's see how it all plays out. But yeah, he he's another one. You're you're right. And we're just mentioning the quarterbacks. You don't see anybody else. Uh, no, no other skilled positions uh, as MVP. That's good. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I haven't. Again, offense has has really been booming. But again, it's it's the air raid. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott hasn't done much. Saquon Barkley is hurt. So uh, Nick Chubb, uh, a good running back, but he just got injured. So it's, you know, it's, it's almost interesting where the MVP has almost became a, what's the most valuable quarterback, not the most valuable player, right. you know? So I think that's always interesting too. Good call. Good call.
brother, did you see the game last night? My the game we're talking about, y'all should know we're Laker fans. And so our Lakers are in the finals. They're playing against Miami, and it's a 3-1 uh, series right now with the Lakers being up 3-1. to one. And uh, we wanted to just share with y'all, maybe even crow a little bit, on where our Lakers are right now. We're very satisfied. We were hoping so much that it would have been I, in particular, I'm not speaking for Vic, that it had been a four-game sweep, and I would have come in with all my Laker attire, but the Lakers embarrassed me the other day. But in that embarrassment, I know we had a um, we had talked about that loss, how signif significant that loss was to possibly the MVP voting. And so most people, most fans, let's call it the general, the average fan, know about the stars, the stars being AD, LeBron. And we're talking about the popularity vote. Everybody was ready to crown uh, LeBron. But in this series, in particular, AD has stepped up, stepped up his game. He was on the New Orleans Pelicans, and he really was usually injured or hurt by this time and really never stepped his game up for the postseason. But now he's playing alongside LeBron. And so I would like your take on, one, the series, two, the NBA uh, Finals MVP, in your opinion. And I, I got some opinions as well. Uh, um, and in the series in general, what are your thoughts? I really thought, well, off the bat, I called five games. I really thought we would go uh, five games, we'd win it. Uh, I never thought that the games would ever be to the point where the series would be tied like 1-1 one, one or anything like that, or us behind. Uh, but as the series started, and of course because of the injuries, I did believe then that we could sweep. So I was definitely surprised in our performance in game four. Totally surprised. And AD didn't show up. Look, if you're in the, if, look, LeBron has been feeding you. LeBron is trying to pass the torch. He's doing an outstanding job from a leadership perspective saying, okay, this is my mentee. He's going to be the second coming. Got it. He was setting up uh, records the first two nights of the finals. Great. Then you come out there for that last game, uh, game four, and you, you blow it. Okay, so you got an early foul trouble. That's okay. Look, I, look, I'm from the old school. Hey, you go in all the way. You're gonna be if you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna suck to suck bad 100. percent You're gonna do great. Be great 100. percent You get two fouls and start playing passively. Look, he should have went out with six fouls of 19 points, six fouls of 10 points. I don't care. Use up all your fouls. If your head's not in the game, then bring it. Whatever you got. But come on, man. Don't give me Rudy Poop. Hey, A or an F. Don't come out there half stepping, bruh. You could have sat your butt on the rest of, on the bench for the rest of the game if you won't give me two fouls and ten points. So I think he lost the MVP that night. He is winning it, I think, the first couple nights. But then he come out with that lackluster performance. Mm, I was like, man, come on. And I could see where LeBron's like, come on, dude. This is all you. Let's go. And the classic LeBron, okay, I'll take over the game. But hey, Jimmy Buckets. He was on one that night. I dare him to do 40, a triple-double with 40 points. I dare him. He did it. And I will not take away his game. But come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. You know, if, if we would have showed up like we were supposed to show up, we would have swept. But yes. I'm not taking away from the Heat. They came to win. They're playing the game to yes. win. I'm not scared of you. I'm not supposed to be here. So what? You have more to lose than me. That's what they would tell at Los Angeles Lakers. And they showed it that night. I think you um, would respect 
the leadership organization of the Miami Heat with Pat Riley, uh, Mickey Aronson, and then the coach, Eric Spolster, how they have melded this team together. Jimmy wasn't with this team last year, and then they got a couple of rookies that are playing with them. So they're bringing really their best, and their margin for error is very small. But I, I, I have learned to respect them because I really didn't know enough about them, their being in the East. And as much basketball as I see, I have gained a healthy respect for the Miami Heat uh, as they're playing because they're, they're taking every punch that the Lakers put on them. They should have been swept. If both teams are playing to their level of capabilities, they should have been swept. But there's, a, there's that, that heart of the Miami Heat. So I kudos to uh, Eric Spolster, uh, Pat Briley, and, and the ownership group over there, their leadership in assembling fighters. And if you look at Jimmy uh, Butler, everybody seemingly has taken on their person, that, his personality. But it's not his personality. People don't know about Pat Riley. That's Pat Riley's personality. Scrappers, all scrappers. You look at look at him from uh, the the first five to the to the end of the bench to the twelfth man. All scrappers, and they give you everything that they got. So uh, much respect to the Miami Heat. Lakers. I think the Lakers came in confident, and I think they came in overconfident, and that's what lost that game. You can't come in nonchalant, especially when you don't know the fight that's in that dog. And so, yeah, you lost. And it was a wake-up call. And then last night's game uh, was too close for me as a fan. But the other side of me, the casual fan would say, man, this is a great NBA contest because it's the David and Goliath. Goliath won last night, but David did not quit. David kept slinging his slingshot. So I love this series because I'm up 3-1. I wouldn't be as comfortable if it was 2-2 or if I was uh, uh, losing the series. But bear in mind, fans, those who are watching right now, we have been <laughs> dry. <laughs> we have suffered for too many years. Yeah, I got we got plaques on the wall. We got skins on the wall. But Lakers, come on. Bring it on home, Lakers. Bring it on home. To you, Vic. I totally agree. I totally agree. Look, yes, we're spoiled. We are at the top of the mountain. Us? And the Celtics. It's always been about us, too. The two-story franchises. Do y'all realize that if we win this championship, I say we, yes, we, <laughs> as if I'm dribbling the ball, we're tied with the Celtics for the most winningest franchises in NBA history. So this means a lot. And, yes, we're spoiled. You're talking about 10 years? 10 yeah. years? I know there's some franchises that haven't even sniffed the playoffs, but I ain't talking about you. <laughs> it's about the Lakers. Yes. Because I tell you, I, 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 I know we're talking about the finals, but yes, and I'm spoiled. I admit I'm spoiled as a Laker fan. But do you realize the decision David Stern made in 2011 when we had a chance to get Chris Paul and we would have had Kobe and we would have had D12, the old D12, Dwight Howard? Oh, yeah, we would have we would have we had a couple ships left right there. So I feel like our time is due. The Gold State Warriors had their dynasty, which is great. But the NBA is a much better league when the Celtics and the Lakers are balling. Come on. We all know that. So. You, you know, I, yeah, we need to close this out. Yes. 
I, I love it. I love it. Uh, and my, my brother Vic said earlier, this this may not be for you. We apologize. We understand Spur fans. If you turned away when the season was over, you Houston Rocket fans and, and everybody else, if your team's not in it, the season is over. No, it's not the case. Then you're really not a fan. You're just a local. So we, we want to just say congratulations to them. Congratulations also to the WNBA champion, we uh, the Seattle Storm, won last night. And that's two championships out of uh, uh, three seasons for them. So that is, that is so cool. It, we have to acknowledge them, which is a sister uh, league of the NBA. And so congratulations to you, WNBA. To be a great athlete, it takes great skill. But that's not the only thing it takes. There's extra pressure being a college athlete just because you're also reminded, hey, you're worth this much money. Like, we invested this much money in you. You need to perform and do everything right because you also make our income and stuff like that. Like, we make our livelihood off of you. We started doing field laps and then I got pushed and tripped on one field lap. And we're pretty sure I hit my head. I started having seizures and then they called 911 and it took about 15 minutes for them to get there so in the span of when I first dropped to when they showed up I had a total of about like 10 seizures. I had a diagnosis or anything it was just we're gonna run a bunch of tests and see what happens. But we were talking earlier about LeBron and I know there's some Kobe fans out there, Kobe apologists. There's some LeBron apologists. There's, his legacy is at stake here. Um, and then on top of that, he's with a storied team, the Lakers. Um, his legacy. Give me your thoughts on his legacy. I mean, we, we're talking about the Lakers. We talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, George Mikan back in the day. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, we had the Shaq and Kobe years. Let's not forget the James Worthy and the Bob McAdoo's. We had role players, but the big time players were the, were the Kareem, Shaq, Kobe, and now LeBron. Not just as a Laker, though, what he did with Cleveland, what he did with Miami. Okay, we're talking about nobody has ever won three championships with three different organizations and possibly, getting back to our earlier conversation, to be a finals MVP for three different I'm, I'm setting the table for you. Give me your thoughts, sir. Wow. So just a little history, as you stated, diehard Laker fan. However, I'm an NBA fan. I grew up with the 80s basketball. So the tail end of Kareem, passing the torch to Magic, who passed the torch to MJ, who passed the torch to Kobe, and now pseudo LeBron James. Because as the 80s and 90s basketball fan, I was always an MJ. I was an MJ guy. I wasn't even a Kobe guy. You know, truth be told, I'm not a Kobe guy or a Shaq guy. I'm a Laker fan. So when they started talking about the king, the king, I thought that's disrespectful to Michael Jordan. One, you haven't even played a game in the league, and yet you're the self-professed king? Sit down, boy, and, and, and get in line behind Kobe. You ain't did nothing yet. So I had a little angst and I felt there was, he didn't do anything bad. He has been a model person off the court, a great leader on the court. They tried to make him the media and everyone tried to make him something he wasn't. Well, he should be shooting a shot. Well, as I look at his body of work, it's not about him shooting a shot. He knows he's the best player on the field, on the court. He's a facilitator. He's finding the right play. For him to do what he did last night in the game, 
Yeah, he could have drove it to the hoop, but no, nah, he found KCP in the corner. And the first time KCP missed a shot, he came right back down and gave it back to him again. It's yours. Boom, shot it. Three-point made. So I have to look now at his body of work when we start talking about his legacy in a totally different aspect that Jordan didn't do, Kobe didn't do. I mean, you're talking about three championships, the three teams resurrected the Cleveland Cavaliers, not just the team, but the city. And then you go to Miami and help resurrect them. And then you come to my Lakers. Yeah, I was kind of suspect. Oh, you come here at the end of your, your, your reign in NBA. You're trying to come over here just to retire at the sunset. You're not trying to do anything. So I was suspect. But I said, you're going to come put on the purple and gold. I'm going to root for you because you're doing stuff for my team. So when I look at his legacy, you have to be a pretty good player to have 10 championships, to go to 10 championship games. So you won three or four. You had to be a pretty good. So when I look at his legacy, now it's he's he's redefining what is a championship caliber player, a Hall of Fame player. And I'm looking at leadership. Every one of those teams he's gone to, he's made an impact. When we look at our organizational environments at work, you want someone on your team, you want someone you work for, or someone who works for you who's going to make an impact, not just for you, but the rest of the team. If you have someone or you go to an organization, you make the team better, and then you leave, dang. So everything he's done, he's made it better. I can't say that Kobe's made other people better, per se, or Michael Jordan. We saw the last dance, but I could say what LeBron has done to his franchises he's touched. We're just talking about the Miami Heat, who has the DNA now of winning. Not from when uh, Shaq and Dwayne Wade did it, but when, when LBJ got there. With Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. He really helped redefine and he, he embodied what, what Pat Riley wanted. So when I start looking at his legacy from a leader, he's a transformational leader. He has been able to inspire, motivate, uh, a level of influence, and, and, and stimulate his team and his teams and franchises to become something that they weren't or had not seen for some time. So his legacy, uh, I think, is cemented. And not only that, the other knock I had on him, he's coming out the East. And the East is whack. When has the East been relevant? You, we already know the de facto NBA Finals has always been the Western Conference Championship game. Look, <laughs> he gentlemanly swept the whole Western Conference through a bubble. I got to give him his prize. I want to... I want to... I want those who are not LeBron fans to think about his legacy in, in a different way or his impact on those teams. When he left Cleveland to go to Miami, what he did to Cleveland, he, he, he left a nuclear crater in Cleveland. When he left Miami to go back to Cleveland, Miami was mired in ineptitude. They really were a, a nothing. They have been rebuilt. Um, since then, but what his impact was to each of those organizations after he left was significant. So he was that huge. And really, oftentimes, yeah, I know he had Kyrie and I know he had K-Love uh, in Cleveland. I know he had D-Wade and I know he had Chris Bosh in Miami. Yet what happens when he leaves? When he leaves. So we can't really have that argument about Kobe because Kobe never left. Kobe was a lifelong Laker. 
But if you want to compare him to everybody's number one, Mount Rushmore number one being Michael Jordan, when Michael Jordan decided to go play baseball, the Chicago Bulls were still relevant. They went to the playoffs. They were still relevant. It was only in 98 or the last dance, I believe it was 98, when they all broke up that they had their downward spiral. But when Michael Jordan decided to go play baseball, the Chicago Bulls were still relevant. I would say that the impact that LeBron has on his teams was greater on his teams uh, than, than, than Jordan. And I'm going to tell the, my fans and those that are listening right now, I'm not, I was not a LeBron fan. You could not be a Kobe guy and a LeBron guy in my mind. This is my opinion. But he has made me, LeBron has made me respect him. Like you, I was skeptical. But what he has done to the young guys, the Kuzmas, the, the, the Carusos. Yeah, he brought some veterans over, but we had to give up a boatload to get AD. Don't forget that. But what LeBron has been able to do is show some patience and trust the KCPs in the world. Before him, it was the J.R. Smiths or, 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 or whoever, the Ray Allens in the corner, you know, when they were winning in Miami. So let's not, he, he, his legacy we're talking about, we don't have to tear somebody else down to bring him up. No, his legacy is that we don't have to bring Michael down to bring LeBron up. We'd have to bring Kobe down to bring LeBron up. LeBron stands all by himself. Kobe stands all by himself. It's for us in the barbershop. We want to talk about our favorites and who's best. I don't have to do that no more. I'm going to appreciate LeBron, and I wish you would appreciate LeBron while we have him. Because I'm certain that most of us didn't appreciate the Larry Birds if he wasn't on your team, or the Manu Ginobili's or the Tim Duncan's or whoever was not on your team, no, appreciate LeBron or your favorite player, whoever he may be, but you don't have to tear someone down to lift another up. You don't have to do that. Greatness is defined by what he does on the court. And in LeBron's case, you can add in what he's doing off the court, in the community, and whatever community he's in. And we can list the, the list is long from even creating a new school. Uh, what he's doing for uh, 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 prior convicts in Florida and trying to get them to vote. My goodness, the list is long, but LeBron's legacy is not, yeah, as a basketball player, Hall of Famer for certain, but you don't have to tear somebody else down to lift them up. LeBron is going to be remembered always as one of the finest that ever laced him up. I like that. I, I like the other piece where Let's look at his legacy also off the court. The biggest criticism many had for Michael Jordan is that he didn't speak up for matters outside the court. And he, he, he even tells you in Last Dance, hey, I was a basketball player. And he received a lot of criticism. Uh, Michael, uh, Matt, uh, Kobe as well, didn't get a lot of that activity until after he retired. So for, for LeBron's legacy to extend outside the court, again, admirable because there's, he's – He's also been responsible for ushering some of this purpose to vote, ushering the purpose in, as you stated, about uh, uh, looking at the, the rights for, uh, for felons, uh, ex-felons. So I think that when we look at his legacy, I agree, we shouldn't have to tear someone to put somebody up. He stands alone. But what he's done, and I have become a follower, maybe because he's on a Lakers team. 
Uh, but I do have to respect him as an NBA fan, what he's done. And again, as an NBA fan, knowing that the Western Conference has been the strongest conference for the last decade, that what he's done, he's paid my respect. Yes, yes. I just, uh, great show. Great show. Uh, I love your takes. Uh, I appreciate our fans. Uh, the Denise Lewis's, the Anita Backstrom's, the Janice's who, uh, Anita, we will have a talk show where we have some questions at some point in time, but hit us up on our, our Facebook, hit us up on our um, Twitter account and continue to ask, write in and ask questions. If you're listening to right now, please let us know what is hot for you. What is it you want us to discuss? But as we grow, as we grow as a as a as a taking it to the house and as a couple he and i that's that's my boy right there uh and steve thank you as we continue to grow we will want to know what it is that has either something that you want us to take to the house or something that you are so passionate about tell us about your team tell us about what you're doing in your community with black lives matter tell us what's going on in your community with black lives matter um and if you want to make a significant impact voting Voting, voting. 27 days. You can make a difference. So please get out there and vote. I agree with that. We're taking it to the house. Hit us on our Twitter hashtag, take it to the house. We'll see you next week. I'm out. <laughs>